This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Talking Halos. Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, John Crane. That's right. We're here for the weekend. We're here to talk a little bit about all that's going on in baseball. But let's be real, John, there's only been really one thing going on in baseball the last two weeks, and we haven't addressed it yet in the show. It's using Astros. Well, first, how you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm just counting down. I got my calendar. The the first day, that first game, we get to boo the Astros in Angel Stadium, and apparently... Uh, from some articles I've read, Dodgers, Dodger fans are planning to trip down. Oh, joy. Yeah, I know how you feel about those Dodger fans. But hey, at least they'll be cheering for the Angels this time. I know. We I mean, found here, common right? ground. There's found common, common ground. ground. Yes, common ground. My, I like it. Dodger fans and Angel fans united against one cause. For 18 games a year. Yeah. <laughs> 18 games a year. For 18 games a year, exactly. Well... Speaking of that Houston Astros team, those games against the Astros, if you want to go and you want to go on opening day, here's your shot. We have a contest going right now with our five-star reviews. Once we get to five, uh, sorry, 100, geez, almost 500, 100 five-star reviews on Apple Music, we are going to give away two tickets to opening day. This is how you enter the contest. You go leave a review, and you have to leave it in writing. Otherwise, you won't know it was you. Okay, So leave it in writing, take a screenshot to it, of it, and email it to us at talkinghalos at gmail.com, or you can, send it, it, you can send us screenshots of it to our Twitter account, our DMs are open, and on Facebook through our inbox on the, on the Facebook page, Talking Halos. So again, one more time. All you gotta do to enter the contest is go to Apple Music, leave a five star review, take a screenshot of it, and then email it to us at talkinghillsgmail.com, or you can send it to us via Twitter, in DM, or via the Facebook page. 
One more thing about that, folks. If you don't think we deserve a five-star review, don't leave it, okay? And if you want to be nice and not leave something lower, send us an email and give us some feedback. We are always open to that. And there's also possible that we're doing something for a reason that makes it a little more explainable to you as well, okay? So, again, don't hesitate to give us feedback. We appreciate we appreciate you. We appreciate you so much for what we've done in, in the last year, or even a year. We've grown almost, we're almost catching up in numbers-wise to our Rams podcast. So we really appreciate you. All right, so here we go, John. How was that for a softball right there, huh? Did I set you up for that or what? You did. You set me up, and I hope I hit it out of the park. And we didn't even plan that. Let's just be we clear. Didn't. Let's just be yeah, clear. We, we didn't did plan not. that. We're just, this is all on the fly. Yeah, you could be go there. Ahead. You could actually be there for the opening night boo fest in Anaheim. I mean, D- does that include airfare for me? Does that include airfare? Air- for anybody? <laughs> look, man. Look, look, okay. Look how many think we have. All right, so. <laughs> I was joking about me, airfare. I'm saying me, airfare. Anyways, yeah. go ahead. Let's get going. Let's go. Let's go. We, 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 the go podcast, ahead. we have not really given our thoughts all that much on the Astros. We talked a little bit about it in our interview with Locked On Dodgers, Jeff Snyder for the tour in the league. That interview is coming soon. But in terms of on the air right now, we haven't talked much about it. I want your thoughts, though. I mean, I mean, you are, I'm, Usually our objective guy who only show emotion on certain occasions. Uh, you, you are our guy who will, I almost think you're sometimes you're the conscience of our podcast when Jared and I are being a little bit too objective or being a little bit too detached. You'll come in there and lay it all out. So what are your thoughts, John? Well, I mean, I already going before any of this happened, I already had a great disdain for the Astros uh, just from what went on last season. So uh, based on that, I would, oh, I was already an, an active, uh, not, you know, I guess what you say, a, a sports hate. I always call it sports hater of the Astros. So, and then when I found out about this, my first impression actually was different. I, I you know, I, I, and I think the more I've read on it, I've changed my mind because, you know, cheating is such a part of our society. I mean, pe- people get so indignant about cheating, like you know, and I think it's uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, what you throw glass out. What, what I don't know what the expression is. You know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw rocks. And uh, but I mean, I understand this was cheating on an on on a completely different level. Um, and so I. The more I've read on it, the more disgusted I have kind of grown by this whole situation and on all the effects that it could have, you know, even the statistics for some of these MVP uh, candidates that we were playing against and how it spread. And um, so I, 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 I'm very I, I guess the only thing I haven't read, because the punishments were certainly, uh, you know, there were some pretty heavy punishments, but. Just reading this morning in an article from the Athletics talking about you know how did they really get punished? They fired the, they they suspended the manager and the general manager, and so the Astros fired him. So then they find him, they find him some money, and I, I mean I don't know you know that sounds out of the with all the the historical scandals we've had in the past the Black Sox and. Um, Pete Rose betting on, I mean, betting on a game as a manager. The, the punishments are so all over the board 
for this stuff. Um, I mean, you know, Dodger fans saying that they should be awarded the title, which I think, I don't even think most Dodger fans really want that. But I don't know why you couldn't argue that there could be an argument made that they vacate the title. Um, just as a punishment that seems worthy of actually punishing the organization as opposed and the players. The players are the ones that are really gotten off on this um, with their individual. You know, some of them are no longer on the team and none of them are really getting heady. None of them are being really punished. And they were the ones who I understand. But this isn't an elementary school. You can't blame, or this isn't parents. You can't blame the parents for children's bad behavior. These are all adults who knew what they were doing. And so, I mean, the, I guess I'm most disappointed in the lack of punishment for the players. That's the one that irks me the most because the reality is it's about the dollar signs. If you want teams to make money from the Houston Astros coming to the ballpark and if you spend half those players, you know, you get what I'm saying? You, you don't have a reason to go. That's what really irks me about it. It's really about the money. There is one other factor you'd want to discuss with that, and that is if these other teams sign players and those players get suspended, you're penalizing a team that wasn't involved. And that that's that's a bit dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You you really I mean you have a there that's where the problem is. You have to find a way to punish the players without hurting the team. So you're talking about like the Cora situation. Well, uh, the Cora situation is a bad example because he, he went to the Red Sox and cheated there. But I'm talking about a guy who went, let's say, F- Fears. Okay, Mike Fears, the guy who kind of started this whole thing. Let's say it wasn't him who told, but he went to a different team and didn't say anything, but didn't cause any, you know, didn't do anything. Period. Would it be proper for the team that he's with, like, say, the the A's, to be punished for a player that had no, you know, that had no real juice in the game anymore? Like, let me flip it around. Let me say, I'm not saying it right. Would it be wrong to punish the team for what one of their players did while playing for the Astros? And they, if they didn't know anything about it? But, yeah, but you got to punish, like, like, Let's let, let's look at perhaps and not confirmed a, a victim of this. You uh, Darvish, you Darvish is is demonized. I mean, he just was. You know, the Angels. I mean, the Dodgers were just. I remember when they signed him, talking about you know oh, we're going to get you Darvish, and they were so excited. And he had a horrible series. And now you can look back on it, and you can see that it's very well could have played a factor into why he had such a horrible series because they just lit him up. And I mean, this guy's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, his, his, I mean, his career is definitely diminished. His, his worth is diminished. His reputation has been diminished. And he's never going to be able to get that back no matter what happens here. Um, and the players were actively a part of this. I mean, again, the, the, the managers, uh, obvi- the manager obviously knew what was going on. Um, but the players were the ones who were, Pretty much, well, I guess not with the camera, but everybody knew about it. So I, I just don't. Punishments in baseball are always so, so, so inconsistent. So, uh, you know, Pete Rose still not being in 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 uh, the Hall of Fame. Um, Barry Bonds, 
not really being punished, but not being voted into the Hall of Fame. Um, so I, I, you got to punish them somehow. You can't you can't just because they got traded uh, or they signed somewhere else. You you can't just let that team get off. Uh, you know, uh, get off. Let the player get off scot free. Yeah, but you know what? The other players. I mean, those other teams were already punished originally because they were facing a team that was cheating, and they got away with it. And that's to me a major problem. Let's say it this way, okay? 2016, 2017, 2018. If the Astros are a decent team, but not the juggernaut they were, do the Angels make the same decisions they made in terms of how they're going to try and compete in the West? Do the A's make the same decisions? Do the Rangers make the same decisions? Do opposing teams do the same things they were doing or do something differently? The problem with the fact that these the Astros were cheating, is that we have no idea how good they would have been if they weren't cheating. We don't. Well, that, that's, you have, a, that's, a, that's the same argument, though, you can make for Barry Bonds. Everybody said, you know, look at his stats before his, his head grew and he juiced. Um, he was a Hall of Fame player before then. But it, there was definitely a change Yeah, but here's, here's a difference. Juiced. Here's a difference. Okay? Here's a major difference. With Barry Bonds, he was facing pitchers and other players who were juicing too from different teams. So it wasn't it wasn't on one team. So right now, you have the Astros and the Red Sox, who are credibly accused, and for the Astros, we know it's true now, of cheating through the system. Okay. Apparently, the Astros, because according to Jeff Passan's article, told MLB they think there's at least, what, I think six other teams that are doing it too. So now those six teams are under investigation. That hasn't been talked about much in social media, but if you go read Passan's article, it's actually the bottom of his article. It's on ESPN.com, which kind of is disturbing that that's not being talked about. It could be the Astros just trying to throw people under a bus for all we know. And since the Angels play them 18 times a year, maybe they've accused 18, 19 times, maybe they've accused the Angels too. But as we know it right now, there's two teams as of 2019 that had gone and broken these rules after Major League Baseball laid it down in 2017. Remember, the Yankees and Red Sox had been busted doing some shady stuff. Major League Baseball sends out their guideline in 2017 saying, this is what's going to happen if you do this. This is not... This is not acceptable. And this is my beef, John, with people who are saying, well, everybody else cheats and everybody does this and everybody does this. But there's no shadow of a doubt that there are players who are, are working the steel sides. And some of it's just by scouting, right? Some of it's just by watching film or watching from second base and just trying to figure out signs. That's not really cheating, per se. That's, that's you being a student of the game. And some players individually, where they are, will, will try and cheat. But what the Astros did is completely different. It was an organizational decision to go and put together a full system with the knowledge of many within the organization that they were doing this. This isn't one guy doing trying you know trying to do something better his game. This was an organizational system put in, and that's actually their problem I have with the penalty. So there's so many different facets to this that. It's really kind of hard to gauge when someone says, well, everybody cheats. Well, 
okay, well, A, you don't know that everybody cheats. B, and if the, if some people are cheating, note it's people, persons. It's usually individuals who are trying to better their own performance and get away with it. In this case, you're talking about an entire organizational structure, at least at the major league level, that was involved on the field. So you're so yeah. So there's so you're drawing a line between the difference. So in a theoretical, and I can't think of a, a an actual way. Let's say a player on a team, a third baseman, a second baseman, figured out this system organically, no electronics involved, organically how to it, it, whatever get an advantage over the other team by with signs figured out something to tip the tip the batter off he was standing on second and he could give a signal to the batter so if he was if it was done without technology would this be what the deal it is right now even let's say that the coach knew and it came out that even management knew that would this still be the situation that it is right now or is it because electronics was in because the technology of today was involved that has blown this thing to the you know what it is well i think that if major league baseball had not put out its guidelines in 2017 then even the use of technology would be somewhat fair game okay because it's it's what you're doing basically you're scouting okay it's like a football team you know watching film and trying to come with the game plan right but because major league baseball outlined in 2017 exactly what they considered to be crossing the line, now you're within those boundaries or you don't cross it. And that's what the Astros did. And that's the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Jared's not here. So we'll, we will, we'll, I, we, I did notice that knock you just made on the Patriots there, but that's okay. That's for a different podcast. Who, me? Um, I didn't make a knock on anybody. I was actually saying. <laughs> I was saying. I wasn't people. even thinking about the Patriots. <laughs> I was joking, Derek. <laughs> you're, you're making a knock on the Patriots. You're trying to throw me in a bus or something you're doing. <laughs> I'm saying football filming, <laughs> filming practices and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I understand, but it's just it's just like you know, as a, a old somebody's older than maybe some uh, you know, there's as older fans know that like Gaylord Perry. So you know, what struck me, I sent you this article because I just found it interesting that yes, you know, it's the it's, it's on the Athletic and it's the Baseball uh, 100, and Gaylord Perry is ranked at 68. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many times Gaylord Perry cheated. I know he got thrown out multiple times. I remember. And I mean, but if you want to talk about a career that was notorious for cheating with a spitball, which has an incredible effect on the on the pitch. Um, in fact, it's an interesting story how he, I guess he was really struggling and the catcher came out at the time and told him, I mean, this is early on in his career and told him it's time to try it. And, you know, told him, you know, let's do it. Let's get this spitball going. And, um, but my point is, is the guy is notorious for cheating, is in the Hall of Fame, is ranked number 68 in the Baseball 100, um, all because, you know, so I just, again, this is a different kind of cheating. But I, what I would, as a, as, a, as a guy who couldn't hit the side of a barn with a bat, but I did play Little League for several years, um, I'd be interested, and maybe you have some insight too. I don't want to short, short you on this one, Derek. Um, what I would really like to see, and I don't know how you could do it, is you, you, you get one, a good quality batter, 
and you throw him 100 pitches that he has no idea, or even 30 pitches, whatever. He has no idea what they are, just 30 pitches straight at him. And then the next 30 pitches, you you tell the batter, I'm going to throw you this. 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 And I want to see, you know, like a comparison, because that would give a, a layman like me who doesn't have full grasp on spin rate. I'm getting better, thanks to Jared and all that stuff. But uh, to really see the profound and, and to express to fans how big of an advantage this was, because I suspect it was a huge advantage. But I still can't totally grasp, you know, because if you told me you were going to throw me a slider or a fastball, it wouldn't matter to me. What do you think of that? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I don't know. And here's, listen, I mean, if you think back in time, go back to the steroid era, go back to the era with Gaylord, Gaylord Perry and the spitball, and this is why I say I don't know. Because on a root level, we've had cheating in the game throughout its existence. And at least in the Hall of Fame standards, it's been okay for some people to cheat and not others. Baseball players were, greenies were a thing for years. Pine tar, some people cork bats, um, spitballs, scuffing the baseball. I mean, people have been doing it for years. We know many of them are in the Hall of Fame. And yet, all of a sudden, everybody grew this moralistic view of the world when Pete Rose got busted. And this is, you know, a huge argument with him on it. That should he be in or should he not be in? Um, I my mind is slowly changed on that, especially with recent events. Barry Bonds, he's not in yet. Greatest home run hitter to play the game was a Hall of Fame before he quote unquote juiced. Okay, but he played with a lot of juicers. I mean, that's what they call that era, the juice era, right? Steroids era. So, should he not be in the Hall of Fame? When you had people before him who were cheating too, just in a different way. At least Bonds was playing against other cheaters. So you come now to the Astros, and John, the, what anything else that's been done in the last 60, 70 years to me that pales in comparison to what the Astros did. You're talking about on an organizational level. Because it was I mean, organizational, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and, I, I understand your point. I just look at, I just look at, I mean, go across the board. The NFL, a guy knows he doesn't didn't catch a ball. I mean, unfortunately, with with instant, I mean, how many did we miss before instant replay? Especially how well instant and how many camera angles they have now in the NFL on on calls. Oh. And the NBA has just gotten ridiculous with phantom fouls. People falling back. Soccer, same thing. We international soccer, same thing. Phantom falls. Yeah, and I mean phantom, phantom fouls. And and I, I I don't watch a lot of international soccer, but I can tell you, NBA games have been decided by Chris Paul's fly, you know, flopping yeah, back. And, but they all do I mean, it though. I mean, they've, they've turned games. They've turned championships. I'm sure you know at, at points. And I mean, I that's just as big as. And, and and the worst part is, especially in, in football and where this is where Jared, Jared put, put something on Twitter about whether technology has made the game better. And I don't think I even answered. I think I just said, 
if they would fully implement it. You know, because it, it was in that World Series, there was a there was a pitch, a bad, a really bad pitch that I think had a you know that the whole world knew was not a strike and was a strike or was vice versa. I forget what it was, but there's no reason that the entire world should know or the entire whatever viewing audience should know that something was was this way and it's and it stands the other way. Here's the um, thing, though, John. Everything you're mentioning right there. You know these players flopping, or these you know these. Don't, but the difference in this case is the referees in the game are choosing to still make those calls. If the players are allowed to do it, they're going to do it in those situations. The referees have power to 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 put an end to that crap. They don't. In most cases, some do, especially in soccer. You'll see some folks call, getting called out for flopping. In baseball here, if the officials there don't know what's going on with the Astros. Then what are they going to do? It's 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 becomes a different situation. Well, you just excuse the players right now with your statement. No, you I'm said, not excusing the players. It, but you said if the players are going to do it, if the players can get away with it, they're going to do it. Well, which is what the players I'm, were getting. We're getting away. You know, if they they have no, I'm not excusing the players. It. What I'm saying is, people are going to do things, man. Okay, they're going to they're going to push limits as far as they can. I know. I and, agree. Absolutely. But, but this is why I'm. You know. This is why I'm saying the situations are different. It doesn't mean that I don't think players shouldn't be held accountable. I'm saying, listen, the officials there should be holding them accountable to let them know they shouldn't be doing this. And players should already know they shouldn't be doing this. Okay? I'm not excusing them at all. But what I'm saying, a difference in what you're saying in the actual situation is with the Astro situation, there was, it's not like the umpires knew. And if they did know, that's a whole different scandal. It's not like the officials there knew this was going on. In this case of people flopping, it's usually, A, and again, an individual play, not a fully organizational thing. And B, you have officials there who can make a decision to do the right thing and put an end to it. And many times they don't. That's not excusing the players. They should still be made fun of, hammered, and penalized. They're not. For the Astros, what they is worse than anything that Bonds ever did, what you know, they said McGuire or Sosa, whoever, whoever people were accused of, Rose ever did. That, to me, it's worse. It's at organizational level. And it blows my mind that they really pretty much got off. Their general, their general manager is a scapegoat. He'll never find a job in the game. A.J. Hinch, I think, will find a job in the game one day. But a $5 million fine, okay, for, for Crane over there in, in Houston, that's a drop in the bucket. And for... Then to lose two picks, well, you had a 40-player draft. Yeah, you lose your first and second picks of the draft for the next two years, but that's not backbreaking to your organization by any means. That's not a real punishment. As long as you develop players, you're going to find you're going to you, you can develop players from rounds three to wherever. It just people are going to like to hear this, especially if you're an Astros fan. But the Astros got off pretty well scot-free on this. Their players are still there. Their stars are still there. They can still run, make a run for the playoffs this year. They keep their World Series. It's a severe punishment in terms of precedent, but it's not a severe punishment in actuality. That's I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think I don't. I think that you know they. I mean, I don't know how real. I mean, it should be realistic. I mean, their title should be. There should be consideration of, of stripping them of the title and just leaving the title vacant for all the evidence that they have for all the awards that. Uh, you know, you even look at it, Altuve. I mean, 
Obviously, again, like Bonds, a quality player. We know he's a quality player, stealing signs or not stealing signs. But what what impact did that have on the MVP race? Did I mean you know, that's did, a good this, did this take did this take an MVP away from Mike Trout? I mean, it may have. It, it may have. It probably did actually. If you think if he got even 10, 15 more hits because of the scandal throughout the course of the year, then it probably did. All right, so, John, I want to, hopefully we can get the entire team here for our podcast and get everybody else's views on it really go at because I think this is a discussion I like to have. This is also an Angels podcast, and, you know, we got other stuff we got to get done here. So we're going to come back to it. Before we do, I want to ask you, if you're looking to sponsor us for the 2020 year, if you want to work with us and get some ads on the show, and trust me, our, our footprint's building, send us an email at talkinghalos.gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. I've got numbers for you to show you where we're at, and we'd love to work with you. All right, so tour in the league time, and we're staying home. Our Angels rep for this addition to the tour in the league is Taylor Blake Ward. He visited me here a short time ago. Uh, just a heads up, some of these recordings are done a little bit early in, in the process, so some things, a couple of things may be out of date, but overall, good conversation. Check it out. Taylor Blake Lord from Locked on Angels giving us his tour of the Angels. Here you go. All right, folks, he's been here before. He's back again. Taylor Blake Ward is here as our Angels rep for the tour in the league. I don't like to be the rep for our own team. I'd rather get different points of view. So TBW is always ready to roll, and he's here again. Taylor, how you doing, man? Um, I'm doing, bud. How about you? It's, I, I was just saying, it's, it's a wonderful day. It's a little chilly where I'm at. I'm not sure how cold it is out there where you are, but uh, overall in January, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about Angels baseball. And it's kind of a, I don't think I've ever seen the fan base this neurotic in the past when it comes down to player acquisitions. I mean, I've seen them get neurotic, but not like it has been this winter. What is? What do you think has been a major kind of concern for the Angels fan base, just those watching the club right now, about this team coming in next year? Um, I mean, I can't speak for the fan base, but I think it's very obvious, you know, from a national perspective, you look at the Angels need a frontline starter and they've needed a frontline starter for quite a few years now. I mean, you think back to Jared Weaver and about, what was that, 2012, Mm -hmm. 2013, and, you know, that 2014 team had some good pitching. Matt Shoemaker was pitching well, CJ Wilson, Jared Weaver were all pitching relatively well, Tyler Skaggs, um... But yeah, they've been in such dire need of a frontline starter, and they just haven't had it. Uh, you know, and going into the year, yeah, Andrew Heaney's going to be improved. You know, you could expect a breakout from him. Shohei Otani is a little bit unproven, but you know that he's capable of uh, giving you some really good innings when he's on the mound. Uh, and it's just, you know, you keep looking at this rotation and you say, well, you know, it really falls off after the front two, and not, you know, really falls off. Um, and you know, Dylan Bunny was a nice addition. I think that there's some upside there. Maybe he's a league average starter who puts in some good innings for you. You got Julio Teheran, who, uh, you know, he may be falling off a little bit, but he's been proven to have some luck over the years and, uh, limit some run production. So, you know, there's opportunities, 
but I still think that you're missing that that front end arm. And when you lost out on Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg for whatever reason it was, I think that was a huge hit for the uh, winner. All right, so here's my question for you: Will the Angels find that pitching by opening day? In your I think prediction so. mode. Yeah, I think so. I think they're making their rounds. Um, you know, it's been very well documented that Matt Boyd has been an option. It seems like they may have called on Mike Clevenger and seen what the price was. You know, the in, I've talked about it before. The Indians kind of listen to every every offer they can get, and uh, um, I don't know if the Angels made an offer. I think they were just checking the price. But you know, I think you're going to look at someone like a Robbie Ray, a Matt Boyd, a, maybe a John Gray, who I think would be fantastic, and that's kind of going to be your front line starter. And, you know, none of these guys are real bona fide, what you would call an ace. You know, they're not Jacob DeGrom. They're not Max Scherzer. They're not Garrett Cole. But these guys are top 10, top 15 pitchers in, in their league, you know, their respective league. And I think that's what the Angels really need to add. And I think that they're capable of doing that. And I think that they're planning on doing that as well. My theory has been all along is they know they only have so many trade options. or They only have so many – my – Expression has been bullets in the chamber, and you can't waste those bullets. So you better make sure you find the right deal for you, and that's what's taking so long. Is that a fair assessment or not? Um, yeah, that could be. You know, you're talking about the Angels' trade chips are pretty limited when it comes to attaining a uh, an impact player. You know, the Angels did make a trade today for a reliever, and they used a Dominican catcher to do so. So you know, that's not really you'd never expect that to be a trade chip. But, uh, yeah, if you're talking about an impact player, you're talking about Brandon Marsh, David Fletcher, Luis Renjifo. Those are kind of the guys that are going to be the, the bigger trade chips. And those, you know, uh, Brandon Marsh, pretty pretty high-end trade chip. David Fletcher, pretty high-end. But you start getting into the Luis Renjifo, Matt, Matt Thice, those guys, uh, the Taylor Wards of baseball. And, you know, the value is kind of not fantastic when it comes to return. So, Sadly, you you are talking essentially about Brandon Marsh, and maybe you know maybe that's what you're using as your trade chip. But the Angels are buying; they're not selling, so it's not like they can go out and uh, you know really if the if the deal's sitting in front of them, they've kind of got to take it. So, in a horrible world where there's willing and gnashing of teeth, all right, and the Angels don't get their trade, how does this roster look to you overall heading into the 2020 season? I think it looks fair, uh, you know, depending on how you want to compare fair. I think that their lineup is really good. You know, the addition of Anthony Rendon is really going to be a game changer. That's a, such a high-impact bat that you add for the next few years. Um, and, you know, it all kind of falls on pitching. Is the bullpen going to be able to, to stay with what they were last year? Or are the additions of Bunny and Tehran going to be able to uh, assist the bullpen because you're not going to see as many innings from the bullpen. And is this rotation going to be able to keep them in, you know, in the playoff uh, scenario? That's kind of more the question for me. I think on paper, just looking at it strictly on paper, I think that this is a team that's going to fight for the wild card spot. I think that they're, you know, a mid 80s win team, possibly 90 win team. But you've got the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got Oakland, you've got uh, the White Sox, who I think had the best winner of everyone so far. Mm-hmm. They they look fantastic. Um, you know, are the Indians going to be? Where are the Indians going to be? Where are the? Uh, 
uh, the Twins, you know, the Twins had the Twins are very similar to the Angels right now. You know, they just didn't have pitching. They don't have a rotation, and they obviously added Homer Bailey and Rich Hill, but that's kind of the same as adding Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran. It's like are the Twins even that much better than the Angels? And I don't think anyone's you know talking about the Twins the way that they're talking about the Angels. But obviously, you know, smaller markets, which is very understandable. But I, you know, I think the Angels are in that fifth to seventh kind of team in the American League. Maybe you add them to the fourth and they can find a way to, you know, host the wild card game. But you've got to win the games you need to win and you can't lose the games that, you know, you can't, you can't lose a handful of games that you should win and you need to win a handful of games that you should lose. So looking now at this team, one of the core things I wanted to ask you about is the analytics of the game and you and I you we've talked in the past about the Angels developmental process and how the system has been and I really wanted to ask considering a recent interview we had with CJ Wilson and he talked about the Angels in earlier years not really being as big in analytics and knowing who went out and got Joe Madden where is analytics right now do you believe anyways within the Angels organization where are they Heading. I mean, are they in that direction to find a good mix with that gut instant of the game, or are they still behind? How do you assess it? Well, I think they've invested in the analytical side heavily. I think that, um, you know, you hear people that are frustrated because the Angels like guys with high spin rates. They like guys with big exit velocities, and those are just very standard measurements. You know, those are very simple measurements to the public that are advanced data, but they have all kinds of advanced data that's uh, not just um, with the major league club, but down all the way to the Dominican affiliate. Even you know you're talking about Arizona and where Tempe and where guys are just starting their pro career, and even below that, the Dominican they have Rapsodo. They've got all kinds of different analytical approaches and uh, very keen on video, uh, very high end video to where they can tap into how the bats are you know, going through the zone, how you're making contact, where your optimal zones are. Um, I mean, yeah, the Angels are, from where they were at the start of the decade, it's night and day. Um, But, you know, maybe they're not to the equivalent as the Dodgers or the Astros because those teams started earlier than the Angels and started earlier than a lot of other teams. But I think the Angels definitely use analytics and value it uh, the same way that you should. You know, they're using all the information available to them to better improve the state of the organization. They're obviously still very mindful of the baseball aspect of everything because, you know, they've got scouts that, hey, can this guy hit behind the runner? Can he do these things? And numbers can only tell you, you know, so much about that. Uh, But no, analytics is definitely something the Angels are very involved in right now. You have two teams in the division who are very well known for their analytics. We're talking about Oakland and Houston. We, we, and we have seen the progress the Rangers have made. This division alone looks like it's going to be a nasty division overall. How, what is your perspective of the AOS and, and how well can the Angels compete in it? I think the Rangers are kind of intimidating. I, I really don't like their lineup, but if they add Josh Donaldson or they add, you know, whichever, Nick Castellanos, whoever it may be. Um, that rotation they have, I think they've got just as good a rotation, if not better, than Houston. I mean, I think Texas is kind of scary. And if, if we're remembering back to last year, Texas kind of made 
it's like Texas was trying to sell off parts, but they were hitting the trade deadline as a potential wild card contender. <laughs> like, you know, what's going on here? So I think Texas looks good. Um, Seattle, you know, they're buried in the mud a little bit. They, they're in the midst of a rebuild, and we'll see how that kind of pans out. Um, Houston, it, losing Garrett Cole is a huge loss. Losing Wade Miley. Their rotation may not be as good as it was, but it's still got a lot of youth coming up with Forrest Whitley. Uh, is it Josh James? Is that, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to remember here, but, you know, I think Houston's a good hands. I still think they're a 90 something win team. And then you've got Oakland. And Oakland, you know, you're, you talk about Oakland and they're not really adding a lot in free agency, but you look at their rotation, adding AJ Puck, Jesus Lazardo, these really young arms coming up. Uh, I think Oakland looks fantastic. You know, you've got, the guy that was really surprising, Marcus Simeon, an MVP candidate finalist or whatever it was, and uh, you know, no one would have expected that because Matt Chapman's the guy that you think of when it comes to Oakland. But Oakland just kind of has this secret hero that comes out of nowhere, and what they're doing is really special. Um, so the Angels have their hands full. You know, you look at the Rangers, they're good. You look at the Athletics, they're good. You look at the Astros, they're really good. Um, the division, <laughs> you're going to have to beat some pretty good teams to really make a run for that wild card spot. All those things in mind, is Billy Upler's job at stake this year? I think I think it's up there. I think there's a, a, the seat is getting warm. Um, you know, I, I was asked this just the other night, and I said, you know, if the Angels don't make the playoffs, that doesn't automatically mean the Epler's out because what if the Angels win 90 games? But the Athletics win 91 and the Rangers win 91. And the Astros win 95. You know, it's like, you know, is it a playoff or bust kind of thing? Not necessarily. I think the fan base would call for that. I, you know, I hear what they say and all this. But uh, I think if Epler is showing the, the steady improvement, and, and I feel like the steady improvement's been there, but the results with the Major League Club haven't really shown. You talk about an 80 win team roughly last year. 72 win team really rough year um but if the improvements are shown and you're moving closer to that future goal of being a world series champion and you're starting to show that you're capable of kind of becoming that team i think that billy uppers you know he's well liked by ownership he's really well liked by ownership and the, the front office with uh john carpino the president of operations so i think that they aren't planning on letting him go but there obviously are goals that he has to meet, and that's where the seat gets a little bit warm. Um, but you think about the goals that they've set for him already. You know, get uh, get Shohei Otani. He took care of that. Build the farm system. He took care of that. Uh, you know, the big one, get Mike Trout to sign a lifetime extension, right? And mm-hmm. he took care of that. So, you know, it's like the goals he that they the team has set out for him, he's accomplished those, but the big one of – make the playoffs, win the World Series, that's going to elude him. And that's kind of where the seat's warm. But I don't know for sure if we're talking about him. You know, I think that there's a contract that's waiting for him if the season goes as planned. The, the Angels themselves, they seem to have been checking off all the boxes of players they need. When you look at the system right now, heading into that that period of the year where college baseball's underway, starting to get more and more scouts out there, the drafts in June – where do you see the Angels trying to move in the next step of their developmental system? What positions do you see them focusing on? Oh, I, I mean, uh, 
I'm going to use the Besides, cop out well, pitching's the obvious uh, one. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, no, but I mean, honest to God, no one knows what the Angels are doing in the draft. You know, they've, they've gone and seen guys that they like already that were underclassmen, whether it be high school or college. So they have their, you know, initial list, essentially, is what you could call it. But they don't even know. They have no idea who they're going to be looking at, you know, come June. Um, and we won't know that until April or so. Um, you know, the the team could use – they could really use help with catching, uh, especially yeah. in the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, it, they really need help with their catching depth. Uh, Jack Kruger is their top catching prospect, and – you know, at this point, maybe you're arguing whether or not he is a prospect or not. He may become a backup catcher that's a little bit more offensive friendly. Um, but yeah, I, the Angels really need some catching depth. They need some catching prospects because you can't continue going through the years of we're going to do one year of Castro, we're going to do one year of uh, Maldonado, we're going to do one year of this player, one year of this player, and Max Stassi is going to be our backup for the next few years. You've got to develop a catcher. And that's really, you know, it's a lot harder said than done. Or done than said. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I I get what you're saying. uh, Yeah, but I mean, they've got some good catchers. They've got a lot of depth arms. They could use that Griffin Canning type prospect that is a bona fide starting pitcher that's going to move through the system, be an impact pitcher for you down the road. But you could say that about everything. You know, they could use an impact first baseman. They could use an impact catcher. They could use an impact... uh, you know, everything outside of a center fielder and third baseman for the next six years, essentially, right? <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head. I was wanting to see, I didn't expect you to have a whole bunch of names lined up, but the one thing that's really come to mind lately has been the catching position. Outside of pitching, and we know they're going to keep addressing pitching, the thing that just keeps popping up is, man, this catching situation is getting old. What was the last time they actually had a proven prospect come through the system? Something needs to be done. And I was hoping that we're on the same wavelength, and we are. And so I'm glad somebody else is noticing that there's a need for catching development in the system. And if they have that, then we're not out there freaking out. Who's going to be our catcher? Who's going to be our catcher? Who's going to be our catcher? Especially when it doesn't work out. These early 30s, mid-30s guys who are basically over the hill, it's not going to. It's not good for long-term success. Yeah, and it's just, you know, catching is the absolute hardest thing to develop. And it takes the longest time to do it as well. But, you know, can you find a homegrown Jason Castro within the draft? Sure, why not? Um, You know, but you do look at the Angels' track record with catching. You know, it was Mike Napoli, who wasn't necessarily a catcher. He was a really good hitter. He wasn't much of a catcher. Uh, You look at Jeff Mathis, and that's kind of where the bar is set, is uh, Hank Conger. And Hank Conger didn't really turn into anything. I love Hank Conger, but... These kind of guys didn't really turn into anything special. And to find the Yadier Molinas of the world, the Salvador Perez's, the JT Real Mutos, that's really hard to find. Um, and if, unless you get a chance at someone like an Adley Rushman or Shang Ling Liers from last year's draft, it's just not something that's right there waiting for you to, to be capable of doing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do have to, you know, maybe you want to make a trade for a young catcher and really develop and really find a guy that's, uh, you know, an international market's kind of the best way to do it. But it's so hard to find all these guys that are everyday catchers. Yeah, and they got to do it, though, you know. So here's my last question for you before I let you go. And, again, thanks for taking the time today. 
high, like the ceiling for the Angels this year, you think, in terms of record, and where is their floor? Where do you think it is? Right now. Uh, are, we, are, we talking, are we talking on paper, full health? On paper, uh, what, uh, when it comes to the Angels, who could say full health? So let's say most health, <laughs> mostly health. Um, okay. Well, I was going to say, you know, if the Angels lose Mike Trout, suddenly they're not an 85-win team, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So peak here, I think they could win 90 games. You know, I think that's kind of their high end. I think they're 90 ish win team. Maybe you add that frontline starter and become, you know, really become a 90 win team. Um, I think that's kind of where they're at on paper at a very high right now. I think for a floor, you know, you lose the games that you should be winning, you know, Sitting around what they have been, you know, that 80, 80 win mark. And, um, you know, you lose the games that you're not supposed to, or you're supposed to win, and suddenly you're a 500 team. I think that's where the Angels are, is somewhere between that 80 to 90 mark. And, um, you know, obviously, if pitching goes down, if Mike Trout goes down, Anthony Rendon goes down, you know, that changes everything. Um, or, you know, come trade deadline, they're on pace to be an 80 five win team or something like that and suddenly they say screw it we're trading Adele for Clevenger something like that you know then suddenly it's like well yeah okay now the Angels could become a 90 something win team you know maybe they don't make the move right now but they make it in uh, July and that's what you know really moves the needle for the Angels alright can you let folks know where they can find you as if we don't already know but for the weirdos who don't listen to your show but listen to ours let's just say maybe like two people go for it uh, yeah, no, um, you can check us out at Locked On Angels. Check us out at com daily podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I lost my mom a year ago today, so I'm not really worried about, um, I, I've always kind of said this is, um, I'm not worried about, uh, my Twitter following. I'm not worried about things like this. I'm more worried about self, you know, uh, self-interest with yourself. So uh, if you're listening in and, you know, you have the chance, go hug your mother, go hug your father, hug your kids, your wife, your husband, et cetera, whatever it is, um, and enjoy your family time um, and stay off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you know, that's the hardest thing I think is losing a parent. So uh, we're sorry for your loss and thanks for taking the time anyways. Did not know that when we, we scheduled today that was that was the day in train. I'm sorry for that. And uh, you know, best wishes for you. And, and we always seem to catch up. So looking forward to talking again. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Thank you for having me on. Right, thank you. All right, John. This division got a whole lot different with what's going down with the Astros. I'm not sure they're going to be able to play at the same level this year with everything going on. The Angels are are looking up. The Rangers are dangerous. The A's look dangerous. Going to be a tough year. Oof, not looking forward to the drama in some cases, but it's going to be fun nonetheless. Well, I, you know, the, that's one of the other aspects of the that I um, read about was is how this will impact them with the loss of the draft picks. This will impact them. I guess it depends on who replaces the uh, GM, uh, the fire GM and manager, but this could impact them with the, them losing the draft picks. Yeah. Also, I'd just like to say, does this does this mean that we can declare ourselves the official Angels podcast of Taylor Blake Ward? Uh, I don't know. He visits the other ones too. He's part. He, he makes the rounds. He's been over over on 
all in. I'm just kidding. I'm just jabbing but at we, Taylor Blake. We, we, like, like, we like Taylor. We like to. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. I love him. I love him on Twitter. I love to follow him on Twitter. <laughs> I make little jokes like that about that. Yeah, I know. You like That's to It's nice to have him. It. It's an honor. I already told him. It's an honor. Yeah. I, when I found out he was going to be on, I was like, really? I, I said to yeah. a tweet, you're really going to be on our show? Darn, yeah. I wish I could have. I wish I, I wish I wish you didn't mute my microphone when he was on. You always mute my microphone when there's good guests on. Well, I, I've had to get used to some of the dumb things you say. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I'm sitting here, like trying to say something, and you're like, Gosh. "Well, and, but the reality is, most of but to tell the truth, folks, most the reality is most of the interviews are being recorded while he's still at work. So, yeah. You know. All right, folks, it's time for us to go. Yeah. Oh, geez, John, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I promised. Been saying for a while. We're gonna read some feedback here on the show want to thank you guys for taking part in our itunes apple music uh, contest trying to get ourselves to 100 five-star reviews if you think we deserve it we really appreciate it and we also told you we would read your feedback on the air so we go back all the way to october to sky mason one and john <laughs> you know I, this is gonna leave you speechless totally speechless john makes this show is titled I absolutely love it. I'm so glad I found this podcast. I love that it comes from a fan standpoint. John rants at the end. John's rant at the end of the Madden pod was perfect. I would have loved to have heard him trash Eli as a selfish Eagles fan. John? John? John's a little... Sp- he's right. He's speechless. <laughs> All right. Best Angels podcast I've listened to come from Mommy B34 on November 16th. Amazing content and very good insight on the game. Jacob Cisneros, uh, November 22nd, 2019. Best place for nothing but Angels. This podcast is perfect for any Angels fans. I've listened to a few of their episodes, and I'm sold that this is the place to listen to about the Angels. They also go over a bit about other teams that could involve the Angels in terms of trades, free agency, etc. Appreciate the pod by Skyatola. A great pod for my drive to work. Good offseason content and hosts know what they're talking about. Uh, Jeff Gold, January 2nd. Go Halos, great podcast, full of knowledgeable fan insight and great topics. Gain a new subscriber. Cool. From, uh, I can't say it right, L-A-C-S underscore V-E. Great podcast for any Angels fans. Awesome. Awesome. Good listen from the 8A. It's the best one out there. Cool. Thanks, man. The great local podcast, or just great local podcast for Angels fans, from Team Bubba 12. A very entertaining podcast for fans and by fans. Great information, great opinions, and even some excellent guests in the show. Give these guys a listen and you will enjoy it. Great podcast from Jay Eberhard. Great podcast that covers all things Angels with knowledgeable hosts. One of the best, po- well, one of the best Angels podcasts from Yo Choi, or I'm going to say it right, Yo Choi 24. Trying to find a good baseball podcast these days, especially one that's in favorite team. Talking Halos is definitely an enjoyable podcast to listen to while at work or working out. They're getting me super hyped for this upcoming season. Go Halos. Cool, man. Oh, Jared, get some love here. Love from Twitter. Papa Lovesack. Jared, you're the man. Don't let the haters hate. Great podcast from Chavez JD11. I really enjoyed listening to Talking Halos. It's very affordable, and the people that are on this show are very knowledgeable about the game. I really enjoyed listening to the analytics side of baseball. I'm glad that this is discussed as well. If you're an Angels fan, you got to subscribe. Professional, informative, and fun. C. Dotson 123. Talking Hills is great. 
Derek brings great insights in broadcasting talent interviews well, and he brings on some fascinating guests and former players. Derek brings an analytical analysis that is so much a part of today's game, or the game today. And as as well as a perspective of one who was a player and now coaches college ball. And John brings the enthusiasm and fire of a diehard fan. It's a balanced podcast that is a real enjoyable listen. Great work from welcome underscore Matt. Loving the podcast so far. Look forward to each new episode. The different outlooks is a great way to run a show. And specifically, Jared, keep it up, man. Haters are ridiculous. And from B Giles 18 Really enjoy this podcast. This is one of the few Angels-related podcasts that posts on a consistent basis, which is nice for me as a fan, especially during the offseason when there isn't any baseball to watch. Love the insight the guys bring and the love of the game. They bring, they give quality analysis of the team and the moves they should and shouldn't make. It's a great listen, so check them out. Go Halos. Okay. So thanks a lot, guys. And again, we always stress that if you don't think we deserve a five-star, don't leave, you know, don't feel like you need to leave a review just for a contest, all right? Um... We do really appreciate feedback. You can always email us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. You can also send in questions that we can talk about in the air. You can reach out to us via Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, we just appreciate your support, everyone. So there you go. John, you ready to go, man. Let's do this. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkingHalos. You can also find our page on Facebook. We have a group there as well. You can find me, Derek C. Paul, on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find... John, John Crane, at Jake's Crane John. Don't forget, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, Apple Music, Spotify, Spreaker, or iHeartRadio. So for John and the entire team here at Talking Halos, have a good one. We'll be back midweekish with the next editions of our tour in the league. Have a great one. We're out of here. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.